Yo, what up? Ready to show on dirt. Coming to you live from the world-renowned Sweet Bee Studios, the Sistine Chapel of Podcast Baseball Studios. I'm your host, Quentin, a.k.a. Q-Dog, a.k.a. the Pop-Tart King of the South, a.k.a. the baseball hostess with the mostest. Yeah. Get your hostess treats and your ding-dongs. Make sure to put them in the freezer before you eat them because they're better that way. What up? Let's talk. Man, let's talk a little bit of baseball. How's everybody doing today, dude? This is Saturday. I'm recording this on Saturday, August 17th. I'm super excited. Since last Saturday, if you count this episode, that'll be four episodes I've recorded in a seven-day span. That's like the most ever. Like, I'm getting on a hot streak, man. I'm telling you, I've like, you know, I'm super superstitious when it comes to baseball. Super superstitious. I haven't changed my underwear since last Saturday. I haven't washed my hair. I haven't done anything. I'm wearing the same clothes because when you're on a heater, yo, you just go and go and go and that's what's up man and i'm here to deliver it dude yeah what up all right so listen man i'm excited right because this is august 17th and soon like in september the um all like the pumpkin spice stuff is coming about man and usually the people out there dude they take a hard stance on whether they like pumpkin flavored things or not like me I'm as basic as a white girl sitting in Starbucks texting on her iPhone, right? I'm all in on pumpkin spice stuff. If if there are options out there that have an option to be pumpkin spice, I will make them pumpkin spice. Like, we got a baby due in February. If I can make my baby pumpkin spice, I don't know what that means, but I would do it. You understand? And I'll tell you this. Those pumpkin spice lattes from Starbucks, boy, those are, yo, buddy, those are the bomb, bomb.com. I love love a pumpkin spice latte and on top of that right i'm not a coffee drinker because i'm naturally a really hyper individual if you haven't been able to tell that and plus i've got a slight heart condition so i cannot drink a lot of coffee but (laughs) when when the fall season comes and pumpkin spice lattes are available i drink them because i love the way they taste and they're so good But it's also like a gremlin eating after midnight when you give me a coffee because I get a little wily. Like, I get crazy, dude. Like, I'll just, like, get super motivated to do things that, like, mean absolutely nothing. Like, before you know it, like, I'll be organizing the spice cabinet. I'll, like, get on a gym kick, which that never holds. But I'll just get, like, super motivated. Like, I'll be, like, cleaning out the microwave and dusting the top of the fridge. Like, I'm the greatest husband in the world for, like, that two-month window when pumpkin spice lattes are available. I just love the way they make me feel, the caffeine in the veins. I get, like, super motivated at work, and, like, it's a real treat, dude. It's, like, to me, drinking coffee is almost just, like, a sh- it's a shot of adrenaline. Like, it's almost like I'm not sober. That's what coffee does to me, so that's why I don't drink it. But I love pumpkin spice stuff, dude. Like, you know, like, it, like if I just do with, like, Give me a pumpkin spice latte. We can go to Starbucks. After that, we can get pedicures. Like, if you fellas out there, and I know there are women that listen to this too, but women know how to live a lavish lifestyle. If you're a man out there and you're not getting pedicures, yo, get your stuff together, man. Reevaluate your whole situation because if you go to get a pedicure, if you've never had someone rubbing your feet down, filing your feet, taking care of the calluses on the bottom of your feet while giving you mimosas, oh. Dude, and after that, go get a pumpkin spice latte oh, with your boys. Yo, that is phenomenal, man. It's almost that season, but it's almost playoff baseball season, too. And that's where it's at, dude. The Cubs, they, um, you know, have been beat twice in a row um, in the ninth inning off walk-offs. And that's been really bad. So there's not been a lot of pumpkin spice in my life. Mostly just like 
uh, Keystone Light and Tylenol. That's cool. You know, that's where we're at with that. But sort of to cap off the Cubs sucking is Bryce Harper kind of getting good, man. He's um, getting a lot of overrated chance when he plays in his baseball games. Fans are kind of just like, you make $330 million and you don't bat as good as we would like you to, right? That's putting it lightly. And But Bryce Harper hit this monster grand slam off like the Chicago Cubs, and it, it was no good news, man. But a, a lot of, you know, the talk this season is that maybe Bryce Harper is not fulfilling his $330 million. Maybe he's this guy that's overrated. And I think that sort of happens when you're the most popular player in your sport is you don't get a lot of people that just like, like you okay it's either like you're really loved or you're really hated right it's like John Cena used to say this about wrestling right if you um because John Cena's like always been this good guy in wrestling but a lot of people like hate that about John Cena and John Cena is this character that's either universally loved by like his fans or universally hated by the people that just aren't his fans. There's nobody really out there that's like lukewarm on John Cena. And I heard him say one time in an interview, he's like, listen, if people come out there and they don't like really love you a lot or really hate you a lot, that means they're just sort of indifferent to you. And that's like the worst place you can be, right? So that's why you get all this with Bryce Harper. Either people love Bryce or they hate Bryce. And it's just because he's like the most compelling, captivating personality right now in Major League Baseball. And so what I kind of wanted to do is just sort of dig into his numbers and maybe like find out what he's doing, man. Is this guy a bust? Is he overrated? Is the $330 million too much? Like, I don't really know, but we can get into a stat. Like, statistically speaking, he carries like an 870 OPS. And that's not, I mean, that's great. Like an 870 OPS is really good. He carries a 122 OPS plus. So that's basically telling me that he's 22 with his OPS plus at 122. That means he's 22% better than the average hitter. Like, okay, that's cool. Is that $330 million cool? I mean, maybe not, right? Maybe if you're paying strictly for production and you just, you know, put out $330 million guaranteed for the next 13 years. Strictly for performance, you want more than that, I think, right? You don't want to pay $330 million for a guy that has an 870 OPS because I'm pretty sure two years ago in Tampa Bay, Logan Morrison probably had an 870 OPS, right? That's it's like a league minimum guy. And with the way the ball is juiced and the game is played, like with Bryce Harper's 870 OPS, that comes from a 374 on base percentage, which is great. It's not really elite right now. You know, if you can get into the 400s, I think that's great. And then his slugging percentage is 496. And I'm like, okay, like that's not elite either. So his on-base and his slugging aren't elite. He's batting 254. Like that's not super elite either. So if if I just like look at those stats, I'm like, man, okay, that's probably not worth $330 million. Right, okay. So if uh, Fangraphs, if you go to Fangraphs.com, I go there all the time when I'm at work not working. And they have a, a a lot of like super rad statistics that look beyond batting average and all that stuff. Now I'm not like this huge like data dude who looks into all this stuff. I, I I would say I for sure lean more towards like all the traditional stats, but I'm 35 years old, right? That's the way it's gonna be. But a lot of the deep data stats I really enjoy, man. I love to enjoy digging into them, sort of seeing like what stuff means because I'm very much like an eye test guy. And when you're an eye test guy, 
that sort of dismisses a lot of your traditional stats like batting average, slugging percentage, stuff like this. Because when you've got a baseball season, that's 162 games. I just can't Google Bryce Harper's stats and look at his stats and say, oh, this is a waste of a season for Bryce Harper, right? Because when you play a game that's so long, a lot of times when I look at baseball stats, I'll go to MLB.com. And when you go to MLB.com and type in a player, it will give you their last seven days, their last 14 days, and their last 30 days performance. And that's sort of the stuff I like to dig into because the baseball season is so long and baseball players are just like normal human beings. They could be sick. They could like sort of be hurt and maybe just not feeling good for a while. Maybe they're a little messed up in the head because they've too been drinking too many pumpkin spice lattes. So those sorts of things happen, right? So I tend to look at like, what's a guy doing right now? You know what I mean? And so that's sort of what I like to look into. But I guess what I'm saying is if you're like an eye test guy, that dismisses a lot of those numbers, like a lot of those yearly numbers. And what I find is if you get into a lot of the deep data test numbers, like the deep data numbers can sort of verify a lot of that eye test stuff where you're just like, oh, like there maybe is more to Bryce Harper than his batting average and his on-base percentage and his slugging percentage and stuff like that. So this this number that Fangraphs has, right, it's WPA, so it's win probability added. And the definition of that, it says win probability added captures the change in win expectancy from one plate appearance to the next and credits or debits the player based on how much their action increased their team's odds of winning. So each individual player on a team, they have their own win probability added number. And what I just read is the definition of it, right? Um, here's here's an example of it, okay? For example, say the Tampa Bay Rays have a 45% chance of winning before Ben Zobris comes to the plate. During Ben's at bat, let's say he hits a home run, he could push the Rays' win expectancy up to 75%. That difference in win expectancy from 45 to 75% in decimal form from the beginning of the play to the end is Ben Zobris' win probability added for that play. So it's looking at a team's chances of winning, and then when whatever player comes up, what kind of work are they doing at the plate to make their team closer at winning to increasing their team's win probability. And so Bryce Harper, before he hit the walk-off grand slam against the Chicago Cubs, he was actually, I believe, fifth in win probability added for all players in Major League Baseball. And after he hit that grand slam, he jumped into third. But as of right now, he's back down to fourth. So the first place um, for all players with win probability added is Christian Yelich. So Christian Yelich is at bat, and this is the whole entire league, American and National League. When Christian Yelich comes up to the plate, his at-bats increase his team's win probability by 5.66. I don't I don't think that's not a percentage. It's really just 5.66. I, truth be told, I can't really tell you what that means other than Christian Yelich is the most valuable player when it comes to adding win probability to his team. Mike Trout comes in second place at 5.32. Cody Bellinger is in third place at 5.16. And Harper's in fourth at 5.15. So digging into these numbers that like these super math whizzes are figuring out like, okay, like what's really happening with a player from at bat to at bat is it stands out from a win probability added standpoint. 
Bryce Harper is the fourth most valuable player when it comes to him just helping his team win. And then on top of that, his clutch percentage, his clutch rating is the highest in baseball. And let me get you the exact definition of that clutch rating because I know it's a player coming up like in certain situations. The The definition of clutch on fan graphs, it just... The clutch rating measures how well a player performed in high leverage situations. So these would probably be like 7th, 8th, and ninth innings when your team's up or down by like a certain amount of runs or whatever like that. And this clutch rating is just usually in a single number. So if a player has a 2 clutch rating, then that's excellent. If they've got a 1 clutch rating, it's great. And if they have a 0 clutch rating, it's average. Okay, Bryce Harper right now, he leads the league and he's got a 2.05 clutch rating, which is excellent. And then the second place person is Matt Olson, third Rio Rees from the Orioles, fourth Matt Beatty from the Dodgers and fifth Aaron Hicks. Right. These obviously, like I can tell by looking at these stats, like Rio Rees is on the Orioles. Right. He's I mean, he's not great. All right. Matt Beatty, he's a rookie for the Dodgers. Right. It's just it's almost it's almost seems like clutch isn't like a counting stat just as much as it's just like how good does this dude this guy do in a clutch situation and what you can give to Bryce Harper is I mean he just when you give him the chance of being in a clutch situation he's just really good I think at this point his OPS in clutch situations I think is about over a thousand so when you give him the chance when the game's on the line he he does really well and the reason why I think Bryce does really well in those situations that demand him to be clutch is because a lot of times if he comes up in situations that are defined as a clutch situation, the pitcher can't pitch around him, can't throw him crap, can't walk him, can't put him on base and really has to challenge Bryce. And part of my thought process behind Bryce Harper has always been he's he's not Mike Trout in the sense of Mike Trout, I think, is the best player in all of Major League Baseball who can adjust to what a pitcher is doing. I think he can do it from bat to bat, game at bat to at bat, at from game to game, and then from season to season, right? So Bryce Harper is just not as good as that. But Bryce Harper and Mike Trout are the two guys consistently in Major League Baseball who just get crap to hit, right? Because nobody wants to lose to him because they're two of the most destructive hitters in all of Major League Baseball. And since like that 2016 season where it really started, right? And Bryce Harper was just getting all this Barry Bonds treatment. That's when the numbers started to sort of change or whatever. So he's just had a hard time with not getting anything to hit. So I believe that when Bryce Harper is in situations that are defined as clutch, pitchers are forced to challenge Bryce and try to beat him and they're just not doing it. So that's why his clutch rating is so high, and that's why his win probability added is so high. So, you know, to get back to it, yeah, you look at a lot of the traditional statistics, and you're like, yeah, you know, if my team was paying $330 million, I would want more than probably those numbers. But I can tell you this, when Bryce is put in situations where he needs to succeed, he's doing really well at this point. But also... I can tell you this, if Bryce Harper was a Chicago Cub right now and the, the Cubs were doing just as crappy as they are and I still had Bryce Harper, man, I would like it because I feel like, number one, for a team to make a move like the Philadelphia Phillies did, even though they're not likely to make the playoffs this year because I don't believe they've got the bullpen or the starting pitching to actually win games consistently, and their offense just isn't quite there yet, right? 
Like Reese Hoskins hasn't been really great post the All-Star break. Scott Kingery is kind of coming down to earth, but I believe he is and will continue to be a great player. Jake Arrieta's elbows on the fritz. Aaron Nola's just still damn good. But, you know, in the rotation, once you get past Nola, it's sort of just like it's a tornado of just like chaos and confusion because, like, where's this stuff going to come from, right? The, the Phillies, you know, picked up Jason Vargas at the trade deadline, but when he's not telling beat reporters that he'll knock them the F out by the vending machine, you know, he goes out and he pitches pretty decent. But, I mean, he's not a guy you could count on to, I think, go out there and give you a complete game shutout and really get behind. You know, I think he's just kind of one of those guys, like, he's okay, you know? He's got okay numbers this year, but he's no Aaron Nola. He's, you know, the Astros picked up Zach Granke. Well, Jason Vargas ain't Zach Granke. He ain't nowhere close to it in his wildest dreams. So, but what I guess what I was getting at is offensively, right, this team's going to take a little while to, like, fully come around, but I think they'll get there. But I do think signing you know, one of the most exciting players in baseball, love him or hate him for $330 million. It sends a message to the rest of the clubhouse that, hey, we're in it to win it and we're, we're here for you guys and we want to know, you know, what we can do to make this uh, clubhouse better and this team better. And we feel like right now that this has really done it. And there's nothing right now that I think has said that the Philadelphia Phillies aren't really com- aren't committed to spending money because they are. They're committed to the process. And I still believe that even if you take the most analytical stat, like win probability added, it still doesn't fully judge on paper what Bryce Harper does to a team because I, I, I do believe that Bryce Harper is a genuinely nice guy. I think he's a fun guy to be around in a clubhouse. I think he's got an unbelievable competitive drive. And so when you factor in those things too, just being around a guy like that that takes the game so serious, I mean, that just, that creates a culture in a clubhouse, right? It's sort of like with like the New York Yankees right now, right? You have all these guys putting on Yankees uniforms who seemingly suck at baseball, but once they put on the Yankees uniforms and go out and play, like they get so much better, right? And I believe the Phillies will get like that and be like that in the whole 13, maybe not the whole 13-year tenure, but a significant amount of it I think will be heavily influenced by having Bryce Harper in that clubhouse, right? He's not a quiet guy. I think he's an honest guy. I think he's a realist guy. I don't think he blames others. He he takes ownership of what he does. And I still like, I'll look at Bryce's numbers now and I say, do I think he's a bust? Do I think he's overrated? I 100% don't think he's overrated. I said at the beginning of the deal that I thought he was worth every penny. And now that the season's unfolding and the Phillies aren't going to make the postseason, or I mean, it's not... I'll tell you right now, actually, it's they're not out of the playoffs. It's just not looking so good because the Braves are still winning games. But even though their bullpen situation is super shaky, the Mets are winning games right now. And I just look, think when you look at the Mets and the Braves, you're going to you run into a little bit of problem when you're the Phillies because both of those teams have better pitching than what the Phillies have. And that's not a good thing at all because those teams, you know, like the Braves have really good pitching. And, you know, the starters for the Mets, right? That's a whole nother deal. Then when you look at the wild card situation, the the Philadelphia Phillies, oh, shoot. As of right now, your wild card teams are the Washington Nationals lead the National League wild card. And then the Phillies and the Cubs are tied for the second spot. I mean, right now the Phillies are playing better baseball than the Cubs. The Phillies just swept the Cubs, actually, and have won four in a row. And then the Cubs have lost four in a row. To look at the division ratings right now, 
the division stats, the Phillies are seven back. So it's not super likely because of the type of ball like the Nationals and the Braves are playing. But if the Phillies can get into a wild card spot and Aaron Nola pitches that wild card game, then they're going to be in pretty good shape and they're going to make the division series. I mean, hands down. Because if you are in a wild card game and you have to, well, I don't know, honestly, it would be tricky, dude. I'll tell you what, if the Phillies and the Nationals right now, could be your wild card matchup, and that would be a hell of a matchup because it would be played, if I'm not mistaken, because the Nationals are the number one wild card team. The Phillies would actually have to go to DC and play a wild card game, which would be nuts because Bryce Harper would be in that game. Max Scherzer would likely be pitching, and it would be Max Scherzer against Aaron Nola, who are two of the top premier pitchers in the National League. That would be actually a phenomenal wild card matchup and if you haven't seen Aaron Nola pitch do it dude Aaron Nola is so good I love to watch Phillies baseball John Cruck is a TV announcer for him a lot of times John Cruck is so good on the mic it is legit the American League wild cards got the Cleveland's leading that race at two games and then Tampa Bay is the second wild card team right now with the Oakland Athletics only a half game back in that American League wild card and the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland Athletics, man, those are two really exciting teams to watch. You know, you look at the Athletics offensively, they got Ramon Laureano. Mark, Ramon Laureano, he's the really good defensive guy that you've seen throw baseballs from center field and nail guys out at home. They got Mark Canna, who plays first base in the outfield. Like, his situation offensively is looking really good. Matt Chapman, possibly the best defensive third baseman in all of baseball. Matt Olson is the Oakland Athletics' first baseman, and he's slugging pretty well right now, plus Steven Piscotty's back. So if you ever watch Steven Piscotty play for the Cardinals, he's actually better right now as an Oakland Athletic, and it actually is turning into a guy that can hit well and can hit for power. But then when you look at the Tampa Bay Rays, you know you've got Blake Snell, who's injured. But you've got 36-year-old Charlie Morton, who's pitching like a Cy Young candidate, which is amazing, who... And Charlie Morton's nickname is Ground Chuck, possibly one of the best nicknames ever because he can force ground balls. So Ground Chuck, Charlie Chuck, get it? He <laughs> he, good nickname, dude. But also with the Tampa Bay Rays, man, you get guys like Brandon Lau, who I think is injured right now. I don't know if he'll come back. Tommy Fan, Tommy Fam, I'm a huge fan of. I'm a fan of Fam. That's legit. But then they also, man, what are other some of the other guys they got like in the trade? I always forget because when they traded Chris Archer to the Pittsburgh Pirates. They got a couple guys back. They got, uh, what's that pitcher's name? Hold on, I got to think of it for a second. I'm completely lost live on air. Austin Meadows. Austin Meadows plays center field for him. Austin Meadows is good. Kevin Kiermeyer is an outfielder. He's really good. But then they've got a pitcher who they got from the Pirates as well. He's injured, and I think he's out. For, oh, Tyler Glass now. He's on the 60-day injured list, but he is about to throw a bullpen session on Monday. Tyler Glassnell's a good pitcher if he comes back. They got Avisail Garcia, of course, Brandon Lau, Joey Wendell. Blake Snell's injured. Yandy Diaz is a guy that the uh, Tampa Bay Rays have. Dude, Yandy Diaz is good. He's hitting the ball pretty hard this year, but he's also on the IL, right? But the Tampa Bay Rays are holding their own. They've been outperforming the Boston Red Sox all season long. Um, and Tampa Bay also has one of the most exciting bullpen guys in baseball, Jose Alvarado, who actually just came off the injured list. Dude, this guy throws pitches, and they move so hard. It's unbelievable, and he's a hard thrower, too. He'll throw 99 super consistently, but he can obviously get into the hundreds. 
Charlie Morton, don't be mad at me if you listen to the show. He's only 35. He's not 38, like I said. But so far this season, he's thrown 156 innings. He struck out 194 guys, and he's got a 277 ERA with a 212 batting average against, right? Those numbers are looking good. And Charlie Morton, dude, is like under a two-year, like $37 million contract. Dude, it is a steal of a deal. And what makes Tampa Bay so interesting to watch is that they're just so intelligent with the moves that they make. And you just can't help but to like a team that doesn't have the financial resources of like the Yankees or the Cubs or the Red Sox. And it's like that with the Oakland Athletics as well. It's just like, man, like the Oakland A's picked up Tanner Roark, right? From He was a Cincinnati Red. He used to play actually from the town I'm from, right? From Marion, Illinois. He played for an independent league, Southern Illinois Miners, minor league baseball team over there. It's the Frontier League. And yeah, he pitched there for a little bit, but Tanner Roark was a very, very serviceable above average starter for the Washington Nationals. And as it sits right now as an Oakland athletic, what are his stats right now in Oakland? He's made he's made three starts with the Oakland A's. He's got a 255 ERA. Dude, he pitched against the the Houston Astros last night and held his own against Justin Verlander, actually. And let me look. I'll tell you what he did actually against the Houston Astros last night. He threw six innings and gave up two earned runs and only struck out three guys. So he was pitching to contact to offensively the maybe the best team in all of baseball, dude. If you look, listen, dude, you know how like OPS plus, right? If a person has an OPS plus rating of 100, they're like a league average hitter, right? If you go like the uh, the one through nine hitters of the Houston Astros, they only have oh oh my god! I don't think Jake Marisnik is like the only guy on this freaking team that probably has an OPS plus that's below league average, right? Like George Springer bats leadoff for him. He has an OPS plus of one forty seven. Michael Brantley one forty four. Who they got for cheap? From the uh, Cleveland Indians, dude's batting 332 with a 931 OPS. Alex Bregman has a 150 OPS plus. Correa 140, Altuve 136, Yuli Gurriel who's like 35 and looking like just batting home runs out there nonstop. I mean, there's not a hitter really consistently. Here's here's the thing about it, dude. The Houston Astros can send nine guys to the plate in any given game and not have a hitter that's below league average, or even at league average for that matter. It's completely crazy. They got a catch. I take it back. The Astros have a catcher, Robinson Chirinos. He's got 100 OPS plus right now. He's like a league average guy. But other than that, dude, they slaughter. And Tanner Roark bridge pretty good against him, dude. But um, that's the that's sort of the rundown, man, with what I think of like Bryce Harper. Somehow, I don't even know how I got to wild card standings. Oh, I was talking about the Phillies, man. The Phillies actually might make the playoffs, and I don't know anything, so I can't predict it. I hope they do. I would love a Phillies-Washington Nationals wildcard game because Bryce Harper would have to go into D.C. and play. Could you imagine if he hits a postseason home run in a wildcard game against Max Scherzer at the town he just came from and left for $330 million? That would be a hell of a deal, and plus there's a little bit of trickiness because Scherzer's been out for a while. I don't know what that means for Scherzer. Is he going to be rusty or is he going to be stronger than ever? 
you know, I kind of sort of think maybe stronger than ever, but we'll see. Uh, let's get to, gosh, I guess let's get to the next segment. Actually, scratch that. I'm not going to get into a next segment. We're going to end this podcast episode, and then I'm going to record part two on, like, the 1994 MLB strike. That way, it's split up into segments, and you can just find what you want easier, and you can listen to it easier. So close out this show. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you on the next episode. All right, later, dudes.